0: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello, and welcome to Tampa Tantrum, episode the forty-five. See, I'm doing the 45 I'm not going to stop doing the 45th. That's stupid. Um, and to fuel the rumours further, me and Colin have fell out. We hate each other. Uh, we're no longer speaking to each other at all. Uh, We can't bear to be in the same room as each other. Um, So we're recording separate podcasts. Um, Kind of not true. Kind of true, actually. Um, But I'm in El Salvador at the moment, um, having a holiday. I'm actually on holiday for the first time in a very long time. Um, But I'm taking a day off the holiday because I've come to do the podcast with my good friend, Federico Balanas. Federico, say hello to the podcast listeners. Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) everybody? It's great to be here with you guys. Now... I know everybody knows you. Anybody who's been to a WBC knows you. Cause it's like, you can't miss you. You're normally the guy in the back going, turn the music off. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, but for those stupid people who don't
1: know who you are, tell them a little bit about your background and how you got into coffee. Well, uh, first of all, let me let me say something about your comment just that you made just a moment ago about Colin, that like you don't get along too much with him. We hate each other. You know, I should get in that line with that because I mean, I'm getting kind of tired of hearing that he doesn't visit Origin, or he hasn't. Well, we gotta, we gotta do something about that. I, I've tried, honestly. I've
0: literally offered to buy him a ticket to come. And so, if you don't know, Colin's never been to Origin, and it's a big thing. And I was telling you the story about like, when he was at school, his friend said, have you seen the new Star Wars film? And he went, no, I haven't seen Star Wars. And he still, to this day, hasn't seen Star Wars. And he's using Origin exactly the same way. He's like, this is my story, I've never been to Origin. And if he came, I know he'd love it. He wouldn't learn anything, because he's stupid, (laughs) and I hate him. Um, But like, yeah, it's just become stubborn now. He's got to the point
1: where he can't even, if somebody offered him a free ticket and paid him to go, he wouldn't be able to. Well, he he has just a couple of months to either come to origin, or I'll take a surprise to him to Dublin for next WBC. You know, I'm starting thinking of some ideas that can make him come. I think so, I like like your thinking there. My advice to him is, come before I get to
0: Dublin. But do you hate him as much as I hate him? Sometimes. yes. yes. yeah, yeah, good. I think everybody does, to be fair. I'm, I'm the lovable part of the partnership, you see, like, and actually that's not true, everybody likes Colin, everybody hates me, but um, it's about you, so tell us a little bit about you and kind of background in
1: coffee. All right, um, well, there is, my, my life in coffee is pretty short. Um, about 10 years ago, um, I didn't even like coffee at all. Uh, that's the, the funny part of the story. Uh, every time I had coffee, uh, my experiences were so so bad that I basically found it despicable. You know, and was that here in our in our In El Salvador, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All the pseudo coffee shops that I went to, uh, some were bakery, some were coffee shop wannabes or something like that. Were not um, serving good coffee. To yeah. say it, to put it in a simple word, in a simple uh, way. Uh, but then. Um, I met uh, this awesome uh, person, which is now uh, my lovely wife. And I can, t- I can give testimony, she is an awesome person.
0: She's yes. one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah she's, okay. she's awesome. take it easy, take it easy. No, 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 I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But she's lovely, she's amazing. Because I, like, I, so, I remember when we met the first time, I didn't, I, I met you, I met Lily because yeah. she was about to compete in 2008. Correct. In Copenhagen. That's right. And I was on a buying trip here and a group of us that were on the trip went across to, to your Gran Via store and Lily was the first person I met. I met you later. Yes. I think yes. you were like 2009 I met you. Correct.
1: So, yeah. Next yeah. year. So So, yeah. so anyway, uh, I met her and uh, we fell in love and uh, obviously uh, she, was, she comes from a long time producing family. I mean she's the fifth generation coffee producer. So um, I mean, they said I gave it away a little bit, didn't it? In the pacas. But I didn't know about it. No, I didn't know pacas meant anything in coffee. You know, <laughs> I, I just knew she was lovely, and I and I fell in love with her. So every time I visited her house, uh, she offered me coffee. You know, and uh, every time I used to say no, thank you, no, thank you. You know, I don't like coffee. And uh, several years went by like that. Uh, Sadly to say, but then one time, uh, several years after, you know, already, you know, going out with her seriously. Uh, and I accepted this cup of coffee that actually changed my life forever. I mean, this cup of coffee, when I asked for that cup of coffee, I wasn't even pay- paying attention when somebody, when when the person who served it put it to my side. So uh, as I was talking to other people uh, and I turned around and picked up the, the, the coffee cup uh, and I had the first sip. I actually told the person who put the coffee, uh, who served the coffee to me, uh, I'm sorry, you know, I asked for coffee, not for chocolate. Wow. And the the lady told me, no, 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 what I just serve you is coffee. And I honestly thought it was a hot cup of chocolate. So that night uh, I told Lily, oh, my God, Lily, you know, why isn't this available, you know, anywhere? And she told me, well, that's how coffee works in El Salvador. All the best coffees just go out of, a co- of the, uh, the country and are served in the best places around, you know, uh, outside of here. And I told them, we got to do something about that. You know, I mean, if I had that cup, cup of coffee here, I would have been a coffee drinker a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's then no I, reason for it to go out of the country. I mean, yes, people are going to have to pay a little bit
0: more for it, but I've seen really good restaurants here, and I've seen, you know, Burger Kings here. Correct. Like, so there's obviously a market for the normal kind of, you know, rubbishy stuff. But there's a market for the better stuff as well. So, uh, and I'm surprised whenever I come to Origin, there's like, you guys were the first that I ever went, wow, this is good coffee at Origin. Like, but I can go to La Paz now in Bolivia and I can have great coffee. You go to Guatemala City and have great coffee. But there's one place. There's never more than one place. Like, there might be a second wannabe that's not doing a very good job. There's still a lot to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would never understood why there wasn't good coffee here because, I mean, so how did you go about introducing
1: good coffee? I mean, what did you do to make that happen? The thing that got me started was that. But what really fired me up was when I uh, heard uh, already now with uh, starting my life in coffee, when I started hearing that this saying that goes around that the closer you are to origin, the worse the coffee gets in the cup. So that really pissed me off, and that really fired me to. You know why that things. came around, though, don't you? No, that's of the
0: states because oh, really? all the coffee's terrible in the states. <laughs> it's like you have to go to Europe for good coffee. <laughs> <I don't laughs> oh, know. I don't oh know. we just lost all our US listeners. Sorry about that, Colin. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> anyway, the the thing is, that's what how, how everything got started. So uh, we started um, uh, learning a lot, as much as we can. I love to read. Um, that's one of the things that. I've really has helped me a lot in this industry is that I read basically every every blog that I... What, to, what When was this? What year was this when you started like, researching? That was in 30, uh, 2000. Uh, the first, well, when I had this epiphany, yeah, it yeah. was back in 2002. Yeah. Okay. But when we actually opened our first venture or coffee shop uh, was in 2006. 2005, so I'm sorry. Because so for five. me, that 2004 to 2009,
0: 10, there was just so many great blogs out there. Like so many, you know, you could literally name twenty blogs that people wrote. Like, you know, and now people just go, "Oh, James Hoffman, uh, you know, King's Heaven," and and then you go, "Well, yeah, everybody else has pretty much stopped, you know." And and I think James will be the first to admit he doesn't post as regularly, But there was that golden age
1: where everybody was blogging and everybody was sharing information. But you know, see, it wasn't only blogs. I mean, it was reading a lot. All the books. The most basic ones to all to the most advanced ones, uh, but there was the, the forums. Well, I mean, do you remember Coffee? Yes, of yeah. course. Coffee like, was big. Yeah, Coffee was massive, and, and
0: yeah. I still like Colin still had somebody's invite to join. Like he, he never got his invite. He was, for he was super pissed at me that I got my invite. You used to have to be invited to join a forum. That's right. Like That's now right. you can't get anybody to post on a forum. But yeah, that two thousand seven, two thousand eight, there was this, like debates
1: between Peter Giuliano yeah. and Jeff Watts, and like. But what I'm trying to tell you is that more than just blogging and just reading, it was also, I call it harassing people. Because every, or stalking all the people that visited El Salvador to buy coffee, I used to just uh, squeeze as much information as I could from small conversations from them. You know, it was like, as, as, at the moment I read that someone was coming, I was, I think I was at the airport, you know, just <laughs> even though they didn't, they didn't come to visit us. I was just trying to see if I could have a dinner with them. Or, and this, it's, it was like a hunger for information, you know, that I think uh, everyone should have always, not only in the beginning, always. And I, I still feel like that passion still now, like when I see you, when I, when I see all my friends in coffee, that, thank God now I have more friends than, than I used to in coffee. And every time I, I learn so much, you know, uh, and that has helped me put all the pieces together and learn a little bit. To be able to put forward a cup of coffee that i feel proud of you see i have an
0: apology to make kind of here at this point i think it's a really perfect point so you were saying you were stalking these people as they go <laughs> yeah. to the airport i think for the first two times i came to el salvador i was stalking you at uh, at the shop i was stalking you and lily at the shop kind of going <laughs> hi guys hello <laughs> <laughs> and it was completely the opposite way around because I, I i saw what you guys were doing like from a and you know you, Again, that blog age, that forum age that people say, oh, I went to this place in San Salvador and it was amazing. And I used to book the the Marriott. Is it the, the, the Marriott that's and Granby's? Yes. Yeah, I used to book that hotel. Not because it was good, because it was super close to your shop okay. and I could go and get coffee. Oh, and for the first five years I came here, I used to stop in that hotel just for your coffee. So I was stalking you. So <laughs> um, it, it kind of goes the other way. So you had that so that's passion and then you opened... One shop first of all? Yes. Then that was in, was that the Grand Villa
1: shop? That was in ones? the Gran Villa, yes, yeah. and that was in back in 2005, and it was so scary because uh, opening that shop was like um, getting into no man's land for us. I mean, it was a completely new deal, uh, and we had been reading about the third wave, so uh, and it was such a new thing for us, and we wanted to really, you know, surf that wave and then be, be the first waivers uh, here in El Salvador to push it here. Uh, but I, I still remember the night before we were going to open, um, Jesus, we had so much, I mean, that we didn't, we didn't understand and we were brave enough to open and uh, thank God uh, the customers really got it. I mean, when we opened up, they said, what's happening here? The cup is totally different to what we were used to and that, that was just, you know, that just gave us a lot of energy to keep pushing forward and forward and learning and learning all the time. See, I get so frustrating with people that say. So we we have a lot
0: of wholesale customers in my business that have got coffee shops and they you know, and I'll give them this amazing coffee, like something that blows their mind, you know, and they just go, oh, "What is this?" And it's like it's great, and it's like so. Yeah, you want someone? It's like no, no. My customers wouldn't get it, and I'm like. Are you some kind of superhuman being that you only you can perceive greatness and your customers can't? Like if it's good, they'll get it. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what happened with that first story, is that you you did something that you liked. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about this when I came like two thousand and seven. you say, you know, I liked it, it was great that other people liked it with me too.
1: Correct. And I
0: think that's a fantastic way of building a business. Yeah. And and from that point,
1: kind of I wish there was a Second location quite quickly afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah, well, actually, it was the first store opened in 2005, and uh, the second one we took quite a while. It took us in 2009, well, okay. four or four years afterwards. But uh, it was it was a good timing to do it uh, for us, because it gave us enough time to learn a little bit about roasting. So we started roasting after opening our shop a year afterwards. On your tiny three-kilo roaster? Yes, yes, that Jay Carraghite still, I don't know he give me a hard time still. <laughs> Would well, you want to tell Jay what you've got coming in a few weeks' time? Though? Oh mm-hmm. yes, yes, Jay. If you are out there hearing this, uh, we're coming. A, we're making a, a seventy kilo roaster in about six months from now. So I uh, hope the next time you come to El Salvador, you can come and, and roast with me. I finally outgrew <laughs> my three kilo one. <laughs> so, so you kind of
0: you got involved in the whole uh, coffee shop thing, but you also, um, I mean, most people will know you from being involved in barista competitions. Yes. As, a, as, a, as a company and as a person as
1: well. Yes. So the first person to compete for the, st- the store was that Lily. Was that yes? Yeah. Lily was um, the first barista champion of El Salvador, uh, and she mm. represented El Salvador in Copenhagen in two thousand eight. And um, I think that was still the most one of the most memorable times for us because we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. We just we just knew that we wanted to absorb as much. So I think we were more. Concern, I think, about taking pictures of what everybody else was actually doing, <laughs> that what we were going to do that time. Uh, but still, we did the be- our best we could. Uh, I think we represented El Salvador well in that first competition. Um, but the biggest benefit of I've been com- I've been involved in competition for the past um, eight years, I think, eight to seven years, and the biggest benefit has been all the uh, learning that you get. And I think I always tell baristas uh, that. Competition is the best learning tool there is. I mean, it teaches you so much about yourself. It teaches you so much about the coffee. It teaches about what you can do, uh, what you can share, what coffee can be. It has so many angles and so many good things about participating in competitions. Um, The friends you make, the the lessons you, you, you learn. That it's, you can write a whole book about what you can learn in competition. So from that competition, when you started, I think it would be
0: fair to say that Origin didn't do very well. No, like, still not. You know, kind of like always, like the bottom half of that table would be, you know, yeah, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, yep. Kenya. You know, and it would just be, you know, and then you'd have the European Americans in the middle, and then you'd have the Nords at the top. Yes. And then we started to see a little bit of a sea change. So I kind of think, for me, I always remember two thousand and. Seven two 2008, we were seeing that sea change from the Nords kind of dominating competition. I think up until that point, there was only an Australian that had won outside of the Nordic countries with Paul Bassett. And then 2007 was uh, James winning, yes. um, and then 2008 Stephen Morrissey winning, and there was this Grilla winning in 2009, and there was this all of a sudden there was this change. Yeah. But quietly underneath, there was a change in origin countries. You know, you were starting to see people finishing semis. Yes. And like what, what did you have to do as, as, a, as a coach and with the brushes you're using to make that jump up from that lower leagues of the table to that suddenly making semis, uh, making finals? I remember Raoul in
1: 2010 making finals. Yes. You know, wow, something's happening here. Well, um, I think it was amazing. It, was, it has been a, a tremendous uphill battle uh, because we were so low in terms of what we knew about brewing coffee. Uh, that we had to to catch up in such a short time, it almost seemed impossible. I mean, you saw, we saw such amazing performances and ideas and uh, innovation. And we said, oh my God, I mean, where does these people are coming? You know, where these people are making these ideas? Where are they getting these ideas from? And um, so we had to really uh, make a huge effort to learn and to come up with something original. I think the moment that really started to click with us is instead of trying to do what they are doing, we have to do what it's here. It's about we have to put forward what we have here, which is the source. It's, it's, it's the farms. It's the, the mill. It's, it's where everything starts, where the magic starts. We, we, have, we have to bring that to the table, to the judges' table. And uh, attached to that, obviously, you have to respect all that science be- behind the, the brewing. Right, because it's not theatrics; it's science out there. Right. So when we started pairing this with all the learning that we had accumulated, uh, participating in this, uh, I believe Raúl can tell you the same thing for him, uh, because he has he's such a great barista, and has done so well. Is that uh, when you pair those things? I mean, well, it's, it's more than just those two things. But passion plus learning plus bringing what you have here to offer at Origin. Uh, suddenly started clicking, you know, and, and people started appreciating more uh, the fact that we were doing pretty good stuff. Um, and finally, it was a breakthrough, you know. I think the breakthrough was with Raul, uh, yeah. the year, uh, I think, we Yeah, we're in London, yeah, 2010, when he finished second, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. I think it was a huge opener yes, uh,
0: for everybody. And the but and I also, so I'm actually going to rewind a little bit from yeah. that because I remember the day before the semifinals were announced, and I remember being backstage with you and Alejandro. Yes. And just going, what just happened? Like, something just happened. Like, the semi-finals for me were the point where I just went, whoa, okay, something's different here. And it was yes. so different from 2009 in Atlanta, where it was the same old faces, same old countries. making, And it was the first year of semi-finals in 2010 yes. as well. Yes, And I just went, hmm, some, something's gone on here. And I remember sitting down and talking
1: to Alejandro and yeah. going, like, what's going on? he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, now that you mention this, in 2009, there wasn't still semi-finals. Yeah. But that year, we made ninth. In the right. Right. So it
0: doesn't get put out there yeah. because no, ninth was nowhere you had to be top six. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess that was a highlight, but having two in there as well, having Guatemala in there, in, in that semi was
1: Wasn't big. there a
0: third one as well?
1: Um, I think... Um, Honduras was pretty close. Yes, yes, with yes uh, Ana Lucia. Yeah. Yes. Now, I seem
0: to remember there being
1: three... Mexican... Oh, of course, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, so all, all of a sudden... Really well. We
0: start to feel this stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, like, did that have a positive kickback to when you get home? Like, were the baristas in the shop more excited? Was their local press interest
1: from, you know, you made semi-finals of the, the world finals. I don't know more press, but I can tell you that it was a huge eye-opener and uh, like a light of inner um, when you feel assured yeah. when you feel like I can do it it's confirmation you know? it's confirmation, confirmation.
0: that you're good at what you
1: did yeah and it's, uh, Raul made us believe yeah. right that it can be done uh, and I think uh, Alejandro next year he actually wasn't a thing he, he made it happen right so it was not like we can do it it's we are doing it right it was that kind of, of feeling and, uh, and that was I think an amazing legacy for for all producing countries. Yeah, you know that, um, and that's the beauty of coffee. It's always changing. Now I visit many uh, uh, producing countries, and I can now, like you said, have a great cup of coffee. It's not like it's everywhere. No, but got to you got to Great cup of coffee,
0: you can find it exactly. Yeah. So going forward to London 2010 and what happened there, you kind of 2011 comes along and you're yeah. like, okay, this is in, South America that's easier for us to get to like we, we know how to brew with altitude and we know all the things that can happen with that so like do you think it
1: being there gave you a competitive advantage? Well let's see first of all uh, I think I have to go back a little bit okay? Uh, because I think in 2010 happened something actually um, pretty special pretty amazing uh, there was all these great you know like Rock stars, or whatever, this famous uh, spe- uh, specialty coffee people out there. And you being one of them by that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I know you, you who you I was back then. Still don't. <laughs> <laughs> you were, I mean, this such untouchable person to us. And I remember that after watching Raul do so well, and, uh, and Alejandro um, feeling that he could do better. And that he told me, I'm committed. Uh, I want to do best next year. I want to come back next year. And and I said, I I have to make the best for him. I have to give him all the, what I can uh, for him. And I remember having the, like, grasping all the um, bravery I could (laughs) at that time and walking up to you and telling, do you think I can talk to you about something? We, I I think I need help, you know, with, with the roasting, Right. And that's everything that happened also, that was very important happening, I think, for next year, for 2011 that you were asking me about. Because um, you have to understand that coffee is very complicated, right? And uh, and there's so much uh, facets to it. Maybe you're good at something, but not the best at others, and to be able to compete at that level. Uh, it made us realize that we had to put our egos uh, aside, it wasn't about our coffee, it wasn't about our roast it it wasn't about uh, Alejandro it was about putting the best coffee out there, and to put that best coffee out there we needed the best barista, we needed the best roaster, we needed the best coffee bean, we needed the best training we we needed so much, and you were a huge part of that, Uh, I'm still very very grateful
0: for that. I'm I'm grateful for the experience that we ended up having a, a little bit later on, and I think I've heard this mentioned a few times. I can't. I don't want to credit Colin with it because I think it's from Colin, but in, I don't want to give him any credit because we are we have fell out. Um, now, so like the Formula One team, yeah. you know, the Formula One team doesn't make its own tyres. Quite often, it doesn't make its own engine, and it, it does all these. That it brings in all. It doesn't. The guy who designs the car doesn't drive the car. Yeah. You know. So like, I think that idea of building a team was kind of like the first. I'm trying. To, I mean, Intelligentsia the year before with with Mike Phillips. I guess there was a team um, with Gwilym. There was a square mile team, but it was very much an insular team. It was yeah. like part of it. And you reached out. I mean, did, I'm hoping Moes was the first door you knocked on. But did you knock on other doors and go, "Oh, yeah," and then get people to go, "Oh no, we're not keen on that. No, we don't want to help." Or because yes. I know whenever somebody knocks on my door, like, and even now, and, and we still get lots of people for a competition. Always say, "Oh, can you help us with coverage?" Like, sure. No problem. What do you want? Because I think that's the right thing to do for the industry, it's the right thing to do for the barista. Yeah. It's also the right thing for me as a roaster to learn from. I mean, did you get some
1: people that just said, nah, not interested? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to mention any names because it doesn't come to a point. But the point is, was that uh, we did reach out yeah. and said, look, I have this big dream uh, of doing and, and achieving this well, and I have the right person to do it. I mean, you got to meet this kid, it's so great. Uh, and. And I think we can find a coffee to do it. Uh, but we got turned down, yeah. right? And then finally, that's why I said I got the bravery and walked <laughs> up to you because I thought you were going to turn me down too. And Jeez, you said, no. sure, I think it can help. And that's it. And that's how it started. Yeah. So, and the same thing we did here was we, we went to look for help for a great producer. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about our coffee. It was about the best coffee we could find.
0: Right. And again, for those who don't know that you know Lily has a you know massive background in the farms here. The family gets to some amazing coffee, coffees that I buy. I mean, that's a lot of the reason why yes. I popped in today to come and say hi. But like, you could have just gone to Santa Patrona oh, yes. and gone, look at this, this is great coffee, and it is great coffee. Yes. But at the time, there was something out there that was actually more suited to that competition place, and you went and swallowed the pride and kind of went, no, this is the right thing to give this exactly. I mean, and. I don't want to be Alejandro. He's a man. He's he <laughs> Then he was a kid. Like I remember him in London. He, he was like a kid. He was like young, you know, very young guy. I hope he's still a kid. Oh, I'm sure he is. At heart. <laughs> I, I I've I, I saw him um, in Seattle, and it was it was literally like seeing my little brother again. He was fantastic. He's, oh, he really is. Um, so preparations for Bogota. You are obviously a shorter flight away. Yes. Better time zone. No jet lag. Yes. Um, what. Did you have to do anything unusual to get stuff in? To, what, I remember a lot of people having problems getting things into Colombia. I remember turning up with Monica from um, uh, Slovakia. Yes. Yeah. And her grinder was in bits because the airport had smashed it to smithereens. Oh. And, and, and all of these challenges that were thrown up. Did you have any challenges or do you think it gave you an advantage being so close?
1: I don't think it was an advantage uh, at all. Uh, I think it made us, I mean the people of Colombia, were so, so great to us that they made us feel at home. Uh, I can't deny that. I mean, they, there was an affinity, you know, uh, and, and you could feel it in the crowd, right? But that doesn't The help.
0: chanting, the shouting, the yes. singing, I
1: can still hear it yeah. in my ears. There was something very special about that crowd yeah. in, in Colombia. But we have to understand that that doesn't give you any points. I mean, that can, it can even work against you because judges are very pressured not to feel like, oh, because of that, I'm scoring high. Or they can't hear because of the cheering that was going on. Correct. And they miss something that the
0: barista says it's important because, again, a lot of producing countries, English isn't the first language. Correct. And it could be very easily misinterpreted. Yes. So I, I, I think it could be a
1: yeah. A, a, a so I don't right. think it was an advantage or it was the, it had to happen, no. Uh, I think we did, you know, things that are really were really remar- remarkable at the time, and that I think uh, deserved, I think, what Alejandro achieved. Uh, but um, what I do think is that that's where all the reading and all the uh, learning did help. Because I remember that, for example, James, uh, he, may, he doesn't maybe he doesn't know about it, but he had uh, posted some stuff about altitude and how to deal with that and everything a few months before the, the, uh, the WBC. And uh, that made us realize that we had to compensate and we had to take that into account. Maybe some competitors didn't. Maybe some didn't research that. I don't know. I just happened to find that and I used it to all the extent. And so we said, okay, so this place is going to be so high and we are not at that height, at that, at that altitude, I'm sorry. So let's start roasting our coffee at the same altitude. So we actually, and that's where you came. You know, we started saying... Um, Let's let's do this and uh, let's try this coffee, roast it up high and see how it how it behaves. And let's leave it a much more time to degas. And that extra time of degassing that maybe some people were not taking it into account actually helped.
0: You know. So I I, rem- I remember the um, uh, when I was on I was on an origin trip before I was coming here. I I brought the coffee with me for the nationals yes? here, yeah. and I was somewhere else. And I remember trying the coffee before and just going. And I'd really thought about the whole altitude thing because, you know, I, I, extracting it, I remember pulling it and just going, oh my God, this is gonna, this is terrible, I'm taking this along. And literally in my bag, I'd got a bag that was about 25 days old. Yes. I pulled his head and I thought, I'm going to try this. Yes. And I tried and just went, okay, this is good. Exactly. This is good. Now, you would never normally use 25-day-old coffee for WBC, That's right. but those unique circumstances, thinking about yeah. that, that was going. That's where the F1 yeah. team
1: kind of part yeah. comes in, I think. But we know? took your coffee that you roasted for us, and you roasted at a very low altitude back home. Yeah. But we took it to the mountains here in El Salvador, and actually took a espresso machine and tested at two plus two thousand plus meters altitude to see how it behaved. And that's how we started, you know, coming back and forth with you. Yeah, we need more resting time and stuff. I, I, remember, I remember giving you the coffee the first time. You loved it went.
0: This isn't roasted. Yeah. You know, he was like yeah. the natural. Do you remember the natural yeah. and the cappuccino? Yeah. He was like, trust me, trust me on this one. This is perfect. It's gonna be. <laughs> and, and I remember like panicking for about four days after going. Please come. And you came back say, it's fantastic. He was like, <laughs> I
1: and mean, it was. I yeah. mean, I think um, it's when you start thinking when you go back and you start thinking. Memorable cup of coffees that you've had. I think that, that cappuccino.
0: Yes, that cappuccino for me is still in my mind I remember being backstage and we we both just went strawberry milkshake. Yes, and it was just like this is yes. strawberries This strawberries is a jam. And cream, I remember. Yeah, strawberries and cream. Yeah. It's just like this is amazing And it was it was a delicious cappuccino yeah. so,
1: you know, so just just a few, uh, one note before we move on is that you mentioned about the right coffee for that competition I remember that year uh, we got invited uh, because we were representing El Salvador. Well, El Salvador, the, one of the local authorities invited us to, te- to try out the 10 best coffees of the Cup of Excellence that won that year, which was very tempting. So we did. We, we went out to see which one we liked best, but none cupped as good and as fitting for that competition as that coffee that we had. So we had to turn down the top 10 Cup of Excellence coffees for this other coffee that from this great producer... Uh, that we thought it was risky because everyone was telling us are you crazy why are not they are giving you the number one number two number three couple of this are you not going to use it and we have to be brave enough again because we believed that was not the right profile for that competition and I think that's a big problem
0: the big fault that baristas make in competition is choosing the coffee because they love it yes. and not choosing the coffee that the judges will love Because at the end of the day, you can love it as much as you like, but you ain't got a score sheet. (laughs) You (laughs) You have not got a score sheet to put sixes down, and they have, and it's finding that right profile and something that is different enough, um, you know, to to really jump off and and, and hit them in the face, particularly when they're doing so many coffees in so many days, you know, you need something that's memorable, you need something that is distinct, but something that's delicious as well. Absolutely. Um, You know, and, you know, acidity's not always, um, you know, like something judges are looking for, but us as... You know, coffee people—something we prize and desire and,
1: and, and aim for. So, um choosing the coffee, Steve, is one of the areas that most uh, competitors make mistakes. I think, uh, and I can say this because uh, I have helped um, a few competitors. And every time, the first—well, the starting point is, uh, besides going over the rules—is okay. Let's let's see, let's find that coffee. And so we go through a lot of cuppings. And every time I tell them, okay, out of this table, which one is the coffee that you would choose? And they tell me this one. And I ask them, why? Oh, because it's the one I like the most. And that's normally not the right coffee for competition because that coffee is very... Much what everyone else likes. It doesn't have any captain, cap anything captivating about. It. Yeah. Right? No, 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 nothing unique in that cup profile. For the
0: The who's coming next and the guy who's coming before. So then you're fighting yeah. for half a point here and half a point there in yeah. technique, or you know, in, in, in um, you know, in, in different taste parts. I mean, that it's interesting with the coffee part because, like. Uh, uh, the story that I, I, I haven't told this one, and Colin, Colin has again, and I seem to be mentioning him a lot. So maybe I'm missing him. Maybe actually we should make we should make up. We should stop the fighting. I um, think you do. <laughs> no, uh, so <laughs> Colin's never chose his competition company. Oh, that's yeah. That's you know, right, what he does? He phones me up and he says, "Right, I'm competing, Steve. What are you sending me?" That's the first time I hear this. Yeah. no, literally, that's and, crazy. and I would just go. Um, and I kind of got to know Colin's profile the first year in two thousand and nine. I sent about 40 samples, and he was rejecting everything, like, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. I was getting so frustrated. And by the end, I went, look, this is the right one. And he took this Bolivian that is still one of the best espressos
1: I've ever had, and and he loved it, and we loved it. Colin, if you're hearing this, that's probably why you haven't won. Yes, because, yeah, <laughs> keep, blame Steve me. has chosen your coffee. <laughs> yeah.
0: But like, after that, it was like, I got to know his profile, I got to know what he likes. And, and, the year when we started Tampa Tantrum was after Atlanta. Yeah. And the only reason we started Tampa Tantrum was so we could uh, meet up once a month and record a podcast, but then we had to meet up so we would do some coffee stuff together. And um, I would take coffees across and I'd say, I think you really like this. And he'd go, Oh, this is amazing. And it'd be one bag into the. So if I gave him 20 bags, he would go, Oh, God, too much choice. Whereas if I took him to the test, try this. And he'd go, this is really good, I'd love to use this in competition, it was like, boom, there we go. Hmm. So by the time it came round to the Irish competition, it was like, try this. And I was thinking again in that competition mode of what's going to be good, what's, you know, um, things at the judges' prize are always sweetness, number one, you know, complexity, you know, acidity then, and then maybe body, you know, and they're the, for me, what I see on score sheets the most, not sweet enough, you know, or too sweet or unbalanced, or, so you've got to look for all those things, and yeah, he's never he's always let me, uh,
1: but, you know, I kind of disagree there a little bit. Let me tell you okay. why. Uh, because one of the things that I uh, silently criticize about WBC uh, is, is that they move the goal around a lot. Yeah. It's like every year seems like they are looking for something different in, this, in terms of coffee. It's never been the same from 2008 to 2015. It's been always changing a little bit. So uh, maybe you do well one year. And you think, okay, now I get it. I know what these guys want. And next year they change, the goal, at least it seems, like they moved it a little bit so you you don't hit it. You don't hit that sweet spot that they want. Um, and I noticed how in 2011 when Alejandro won, that uh, they wanted something unique, something that wild maybe, yeah. you know. Then one or two years afterwards, it was balanced. It was a completely different deal. Um, so you have to understand that the coffee that wins is the most fitting I think you've said it and you have to be uh, honest about that in order to do well yeah. you know um, I think this,
0: this is a sad part for me but barista competition unfortunately the coffee is very unimportant though as well I think it's how you present it and what you do and if it's r- the, exactly what you're saying there it's right for what the judges are looking for at that time yeah. it's, it, it's not a beauty contest for coffee yes. it's a beauty contest for baristas and, and you have to keep that in mind too of like, if you have something that it, if you do something crazy and wild now, you probably won't do so well. Exactly. But two thousand and eleven, yeah. I agree with you. I think it was the right time. To, it was things were changing, you know. Yes. And and I think that's the other thing is, that as an industry, we're constantly developing and moving along. And um, the WBC is no different to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, two thousand and eleven, uh, Alejandro wins, yes. and obviously that's uh, great kudos for the shop. Great kudos for El Salvador. Yes.
1: Um, what happened when you got back? Oh uh, I think it was hard to believe. It was uh, hard to I think well I don't know about uh, about Alejandro I think it, it was he must have felt the same thing for me that it was surreal knowing that it had been achieved. but we never focused I think uh, I think it goes for both of us. We never really focused on what great thing it had been done. I think we just uh, we continued being the same. Kind of people that we were. Uh, it's only that now we had more f- coffee friends, I think. Yeah. <laughs> more people wanted to talk to us, you know. And we don't we didn't have to stop people too much now. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, 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 People yeah. came to visit, so uh, that was very nice. That, I, that was I
0: remember nice. being like part of that F one team and, and part of that euphoria that happened there. And yeah. I remember getting on a plane the next day and going home and still feeling that euphoria. And I, I went to visit my mom. Yeah. and I went to my mom, and she says, "Oh, oh, where have you been?" I said, "Oh, I've been in Colombia." coffee competition you know the, the guy who won you know, used our coffee he's oh yeah that's great anyway my ankle's playing up and I've been going to the doctors and I was like there's no way of bringing you down so, but I'm still kind of bubbling a little bit so I drive to work and I get into the row Street and the, the La Luzon yes. I'm thinking let's look at these numbers yes. we're going to be sold out and I look 20 bags you'd sold 2250 grand bags I was just like I spent more than that on my upgrade to come home because there was no way a, a champion roaster like me was going to sit in economy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was amazing. There was that euphoria. And then there was like that, oh. But then, you know, 2012 comes around in Melbourne and you're, you've are you still got the book. You still wanted to compete.
1: And, and oh, yes. William. Yes. It was William that year, wasn't it? In 2012, it was... Um, no, 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 no. It was um, my roaster. It was, yes. Uh, so... Um, let me see. No, William was two thousand thirteen okay. and and fourteen. Right? Yes. yes.
0: Why keep competing after you like there's Viva Espresso after you've had that champion? I mean, was it? What did you want to do? Did you want back to back champions?
1: Did you did you just want the baristas to still keep learning? I mean, what, what was the motivation to still compete? did uh, such a great thing that uh, that inspired our baristas a lot, a lot about. See, since they they thought we were still believing what Raúl did that we that it could be done. And then Alejandro actually did it. So the rest of the team were, oh my God, I mean, I can do this too. You know, if Alejandro can do it, I can do it too. And the the fact of the matter was that the, the entire team of Barista that I had, had had the same training, had had the same uh, learning. So they all were basically the same level. You know, it just so happened that maybe Alejandro was a little bit finer than them, or maybe a little bit uh, sharper than them. That or worked day a tiny bit was. harder,
0: or you know, a bit more practice. Yes, and, you yes. Know, yeah.
1: But they were basically at the same level, so they all wanted to to do it and uh, to commit it to it. So that's that's how it, it happened year and after year. And I'm very happy about it because some people think maybe, oh, that was a lucky shot. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 Right. Uh, but then, in 2012, we managed to get to semis again. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then in 2013 and 2014. Finals. Yes, yeah. and with different baristas. Yes. So I think that talks a lot about consistency. It, you know, and it also talks about that if you have a good training program, right, and if you really uh, live a passion for coffee in your, in your place of work, it be a roastery or a coffee shop, and everyone uh, inspires that. I mean, everyone swallows that, that, that learning, that passion and everything. You can have such a great, great team, and it speaks I think volumes about the about the place, not only about one person, because it's never about one person. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know the baristas is the spotlight and everything, but it's always a team effort. I always tell my baristas that for me, baristas are like like strikers yeah. in a football field, right? But you, you need a goalie, yeah. you know, and you need uh, those defenders to bring the ball to the midfielders who actually make a lot of stuff to make the play but the strikers finish off the plate, yeah. right? And uh, maybe the goalie is the producer, you know, maybe. No, so
0: I'm gonna run with your analogy here, because this is a question that I've got down I wanted to ask you. So, yeah, you've got that team there, Yeah, but there's a coach on the sideline. Yeah. And that coach on the sideline, I see as what you've been doing. So yeah. like, you're coordinating the, the roast, and you're coordinating the producer, and you're coordinating you know, the milk, and you're getting all the seed together, because you're the coach. How? important is that role of coach Oof. like because this is your and I understand this is a difficult one for you to answer because it's almost like blowing your own trumpet Yeah. Um, but I'm going to help you a little bit here is I look back at the Barista Champions who've done really well mm-hmm. and they've always had an amazing coach standing beside them like I, I mean how much maybe turn it around
1: a different way how much work is it being a coach a ton yeah a ton of work and uh it's been a ton of work but fun yeah. you know uh, because in a, in a way at least for me it, it's been like I projected myself when they are on stage it's like watching your, your own son play a football yeah. a football game and and you feel like you're inside right and and the good thing is that you're not <laughs> <laughs> but you you suffer a lot I think maybe more yeah. uh, as a coach because you know the mistakes and the and what they are doing good and what they're doing bad so you suffer a lot. But um, I don't know. Uh, like you say, it's a tough question to ask because it I don't want to blow stuff. Well, you uh, should. Really,
0: well, I'll help you. I think you should because I think, and I think I spoke to Alejandro a lot about this. Like, we talked a lot afterwards and, and since. And, and I think he, he valued incredibly. Like, that trophy was as much yours as it was his. And he knew that. He was like, you know, that the work that had gone into making that happen. you giving given up. Huge chunks of your life, and you have a, you have a young family that you know want dad at home, yeah. not doing another run through <laughs> with one of the staff. You know, so I think the, you know, the the role of coach for me, I look at you know yourself, I look at Raul in two thousand and twelve, you know two thousand and thirteen with uh, Pete Liccarda. you you know everyone has got the coach, yes. um, and I, I think it's a hugely important role. I think really is that the the, the one that pulls it together.
1: I think that uh, sorry, just just trying to say something here is that um, you can be the greatest coach of all time, but you also need a great student. You also need a great player, right? Uh, And uh, if those things, if you have both things, great things can happen. Uh, The other way around as well, you can be the greatest player around, but if you don't, you don't have the guidance. uh, it's very hard for the you way to... to harness
0: that skill, you yes. know? It's, it's harnessing it. You can be really skilled, but if you don't, you know, you look at some of the wild players who... Like, I'm going to use football, soccer analogy, yeah. a football analogy again. Some of the greatest yeah. players, I think, are like Paul Gascoigne, great
1: player, but nobody could ever contain him. So he burnt out, did yeah. his knee, never played properly again. You know? Absolutely, and, um, and I think that... Um, this is a very important question, because um, it's not... When I... I got involved eight years in competition, right? And throughout these eight years, I've been making so many mistakes. I mean, I've made all the mistakes a coach can make, right? But every mistake has a lesson. So every time I train someone, for example, in 2011, I already had made four years of mistakes. So that, Alejandro didn't have to make those mistakes. And that's what that helped. Uh, And the same for the people that came afterwards. It's like they are uh, building on top of something that's already there, it's already built, it's not like yeah, starting yeah, yeah. over. So it does help to have some guidance. Uh, it's
0: not that... I, I think the same, like I look at willem in 2009, you know, who'd never competed before. Like, I, it annoys me immensely that Gwilym only competed, I think, four times in barista competition his entire life, <laughs> you know, like that's all he ever did. But he got the experience and the, James, of yeah. James and Annette, yes. that, you know, kind of helped him go on. So I'm gonna fast forward to 2014 in yes. Rimini. Yeah. And I remember seeing a leco that was pretty burnt out. Like, you were <laughs> you were run
1: ragged. Like, how many people did you coach in Rimini? Oh, I think it was five. Five or four. Why? You see, it was Costa Rica, Colombia, Salvador. Um, who else? Uh, Russia. Russia, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, why? Why put yourself through that? Like, it's bad <laughs> enough with one. Like, why do it with five? Well, it was actually... That was one of the the things that the lessons that you have. See, maybe I thought it could be done, and I'm really I love this. I mean, I don't coach because I have to. I love to do it, and I love to be involved in the industry, and I love baristas. And honestly, uh, it's one of the things that really, really, when I saw my first barista competition, I said this is what I want to do the rest of my life. You know, Uh, so. When people started inviting me to their projects for WBC, it was very hard to say no. It was like it's not. A, it wasn't a matter of ambition of I want to do it. No, it was a I really want to do this. It's an opportunity as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's that learning opportunity. But then that's when the mistakes teach you. You know, it was pushing my my body to the limit. You know, and uh, it was it was not physically sacrificing. It was mentally really tough. I think mentally much more than physically. I remember you know? seeing you, and I've never,
0: I've never, I've never seen you upset after a judges' briefing. You've always kind of gone, yeah. now I accept, you know. You, you've always been very kind of calm about it. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what it is. It's a point scoring game. I remember yeah. seeing you come out, and I just thought, he's done too much. Like, it's too much because you would like you. Were, you could see you were angry, <laughs> like, and 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 I, I'm sure afterwards you went, oh. yeah, you know, it's yeah. like it's. A, but at the time you just seemed like super stressed about it at all and it just seemed like so, so much to do. Yeah. And kinda of going to 2015, like there was an elephant in the room in Seattle. There was a big elephant in the How, room. was that? that? Well, like a guy who I've always known like always known. Like the whole time I've hung around Bristol Competition, like WBC I went to two thousand and six, obviously with that one, but like, I don't, didn't really know what I was doing there 2009 was the first time I really went to a competition and kind of got to know people and people knew who I was and, and I, you know and I met you there that first time yes. with, um was that with Alejandro that year? in 2009
1: it was Flora right yes there we go but Alejandro was there wasn't he because I seem to remember meeting him uh, he didn't go to Atlanta he, he was I
0: did, he didn't so that I, was the year he started working it was, with oh, so us 2010 yeah. then was, but like I remember like you always You've been there like for the past five years, and then all of a sudden Seattle wasn't. Was that a conscious decision? Did you just say, do you know what? I need a break from this stuff. Or was there like a wedding you had to go to or something like that? Or, is it really an uninspiring
1: reply to my <laughs> long question? Well, no, actually it's a very good question that I hadn't, hadn't been asked before. And uh, people, I think, they don't, they don't ask it because maybe they, don't, they will not like the answer, I think. But the thing is, uh, it's been eight years in competition, and the last one, like you said, it was five competitors at the same time. Um, so I needed a break. I mean, I felt it. I, I really, uh, and my, my business needed a break. You know, I, I, training at least the way I coach is not like I I get hired for a week and I just take care of a week and that's it because that's what you paid. I mean, I'm full committed. You know, and I'm all the time. If I come up with something different, new, and I I'm skyping with my with my with the people that, that you know. Uh, hired me. So I needed a sabbatical. You know, I re- it was very good for me. It was good for my business. The last eight years, that's why Jay, I think, makes, was making fun of me because you never outgrow your three kilo roaster. And how was I going to outgrow it if I was training all the time, uh, you know, either William or Alejandro? Uh, so and my training—it's from eight in the morning to eight at night. I, you know, there wasn't any time for business. It wasn't I've been through one of your run
0: throughs with uh, with your crew, and I was like, "Wow, this yeah. is
1: hardcore." Yeah, and then my kids were getting, you know, older, and they needed um, more things. So uh, it was a year for me to say, like, "I have to. I can step back. You know, uh, it won't hurt. Uh, I know I'm gonna want to be there for sure." And I, I, inside myself, I wanted to to participate, but it was. Uh, it was the best decision I made because this year I managed to get into shape. A lot of things in my in my business we're gonna we now are a full, I know a growing roastery, you know that it has grown from a three kilo roaster to now a seventy kilo roaster, and uh, basically I'm trying to capitalize a lot on what I have learned, um, and I think now I'm not only helping baristas that work for me, but also baristas that work for my customers. So um, I think it's. It was the best decision, and now I'm ready to take on new projects. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'm back in 2016 coaching someone at the WBC. We'll see.
0: Well, I mean, for me, it was it was a big loss. I, you know, I'm so used to having your hand around. And, I'm alive. Uh, I'm alive. Yeah, no, <laughs> no I can confirm it. He is alive. He's definitely alive in front of me. It's it's kind of a nice part to take it on too. And I'm conscious of the time. We've been napping for ages, but. I want to. One thing I really want to ask you about is the future of, of like Viva Espresso and the roastery and the you know the shops and the way that you've integrated in with the the, the family business now as yes. well with the mill here and all those yes. things. So tell us a little bit about like what changes have happened
1: and like don't give away any secrets for sure. But tell us about <laughs> you know what, what your plans
0: are for the future.
1: No, well, two thousand sixteen has uh, fifteen has been really exciting because uh, my business started from the roastery to the brewing. Right, yeah, just. I would say half of the chain, yeah. but then my, um, my wife's family, they have always been on the, uh, on the, before that, right. Yeah. They have the farms, they have the milk, and they were, they were not in that, my side of the business. So it was, it came organically, it came naturally to find uh, a good mix. So we basically, um, merged our, the businesses and it was a great thing for me because now I have, um, the muscle, you know, for the that you need to grow the business, yeah. to invest in the business, uh, and also a bigger structure. You know, now I don't have to worry about um, managing. You yeah. know, there's a manager, there's someone in finance, there's someone in marketing, and I can concentrate in coffee again, one hundred percent, which is very good. Is what I like to do. It's what drives me really. Um, and plus, now the most amazing part of it is that now I get full uh, learning from tree to cup. Because now I get to visit the farms basically every week. And I, am, I work at the mill. So that the information that I am getting from, from this learning from the production side and from the milling side, which I wasn't, even though it sounds crazy that I'm at origin, how, does, how did he know about it? Well, there's a lot to learn about production that you don't know, even living at origin, even working in coffee at origin. Yeah. So I think that's going to show in the following uh, WBCs, I hope. And there's always new ideas that I'm getting by just walking around, raking the coffee in the mill, picking more coffee that I used to in the past, and just basically working with with a great team of people um, here at Café Tuxpan. So now we're a bigger organization and uh, we have very important plans, I think very exciting plans. So what's your official job title? Oh no. <laughs> I, I, got to- I got told this earlier. So, uh,
0: yeah. So apparently, director of coffee, I got told. I don't know
1: about titles, but I, I know I work in coffee, yeah. and uh, so so what, I mean, they, they throw me everything that has to do with coffee. Yeah. they throw it to me.
0: So you're like, you're doing basically all of the QC at the moment. Yes, For, yes, for the I'm mill doing... and for Viva and for the roasting process and all of those things. Correct. Yes,
1: uh, I still do the roast profiles for all the coffees, uh, which now is a lot more complicated because now we have. 18 different pro- products in the roastery. I mean, uh, we have coffee from all the way. I mean, from now I'm roasting coffee of all kinds of qualities, you know, yeah, of course, which is very important. You know? yeah. Before I used to only roast and know about the higher, higher end of the coffee, but there's so much more to learn about coffee, uh, you know, and, and for different markets. So now I've learned about that and I'm doing co- uh, profiling, roast profiling for that. Uh, also, the, all the QC that you mentioned. I basically cup every day everything that comes out of the mill and everything that comes out of the roaster to put my my signature and my blessing that everything is, is well well done. I, I was so so excited when
0: um, your, your brother-in-law Federico because there's two Federicos it gets very confused. Well, there's a lot more for them. I know there is. I found more <laughs> as well, but, uh, but in, in the family as well, I found more. But um, he was saying that like, you like you know you have Viva espresso, which is for me in my eyes, it's like the best place I've had you know, coffee in El Salvador. And then you're actually selling to a fast food restaurant that is my favorite fast food restaurant in the world, in Palo Campero as well. So right. you're actually fulfilling all of my dreams. <laughs> it's like all of the things I need. Good coffee there, good chicken and coffee there. I'm, I'm very happy about that. No, I mean, I think it's super exciting the way that um, I see things developing. Um, and you can't see through the pair of an audio podcast, but this dude's looking so well compared to what I saw him in Rimini—like <laughs> so much better. Um, like you do, you, you have a spring in your step and a smile in your face. And for somebody who said, well, "I don't really want to talk very much on the podcast," you did fifty-five minutes. So well done. You, you <laughs> Thank know you very much for stuff. the
1: invitation. It's, um,
0: just being here is it's it's overwhelming. But when I mentioned it to uh, to Jen and um, Colin, they were like, "You've got to." You've got to. That is something we've got to get on the podcast. So I was
1: like, okay, we'll make it happen. Well, thank you very much for that opportunity, Jan and Colin. <laughs> I know that it's... I said I don't want him on. I hate him. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know it's you guys. Anything. I know it's not Yeah, Steve. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now listen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you to you lot listening at home. And uh, I really managed know. to keep it
1: under an hour. Nice. Good. Yeah. Hope to see you guys in Dublin. I know you're going to be there. So uh, I'm really excited to have some some of those you know Irish beers that you guys are so... Yeah, we'll, we'll get you a guinea or two,
0: that's for uh, sure. I'll get you a few behind
1: the bar. Well, I hope something better.
0: Yeah, maybe some decent whiskey too. <laughs> yeah, over and out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.